this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. So here we are with our guest, Rand Fishkin. Thank you for being here, Rand. Welcome to our show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Excellent. This month, we are focused on some of the brutal realities of business and the concepts of failure and winning and really how they can work together. We're very excited to have Rand on our podcast. Our One Thing series interview features a great leader, who provides key insight into our leadership topic for a particular month. This month, we're focused on the challenges and obstacles leaders face day in and day out, possibly even failing, but ultimately learning from those failures to create wins. As educators, we know the critical importance of keeping the right mindset to achieve set goals and helping others, particularly young people, learn from their mistakes, from their failures, to have a mindset and a drive to really move forward. Rand's new book, Lost and Founder, A Painfully Honest Guide to the Startup World, is something we've thoroughly enjoyed and thought was more than appropriate for our podcast. We are impressed with your candor, your willingness to tackle hard um, business issues and the realities that businesses face. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Rand? Sure thing, Joe. Thank you for that. Our guest this month is Rand Fishkin. Rand Fishkin is the founder of Spark Toro and was previously co-founder of Moz and Inbound.org. He's dedicated his professional life to helping people do better marketing through the Whiteboard Friday video series, his blog, and his book, Lost and Founder, A Painfully Honest Field Guide to the Startup World. When Rand's not working, he's most likely to be in the company of his partner in marriage and mostly petty crime, author Geraldine DeRyder. If you feed him great pasta and great or great whiskey, which we did both, he'll give you the cheat code for being ranked number one on Google. We're so fortunate to have Rand on this episode of our One Thing series. So, okay, Rand, let's start with the topic of failing to win. This is something that you're an expert on, have dealt with as a leader, with your businesses and such. 
All leaders face incredible obstacles and are always looking for ways to overcome adversity and still push forward. You write that this book is to help many, many who read it benefit from your failures and mistakes, which as ed educators, we find enormous value in. Rand, let's take a deeper look into learning from our mistakes and still making progress. Our first question is, how, do, how can you learn and grow from failure? What are some of the common mistakes leaders make when they face adversity, feel completely overwhelmed, or get derailed by an unforeseen issue? We want to hear anything that you might say about leadership, learning from failure, and maximizing issues and challenges for the betterment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is this is a hard thing because while American business culture is is better than most places around the world on this particular topic, right? We have this idea, this relatively unique idea in the United States that failure is not the end. Um, and I think that's actually beautiful. I think that's one of the reasons why entrepreneurial culture historically has been so rich in the United States. I think it's a you know big reason why um, our economic you know, progress has been so strong, especially in the, in the 20th century, um, and arguably a little bit in the 21st. Uh, I think one of the challenges is when we get wrapped up, we as leaders get wrapped up in uh, either taking so much of the emotional and mental burden of failure onto our own shoulders that it hamstrings us and holds us back from our potential. And, and I mean that from both a like a health perspective, right? That people, leaders often, very often, uh, face severe anxiety, depression, mental illness, emotional challenges and problems, which is why it can be so healthy and so positive to have a coach and a therapist, um, you know, as a, as a founder, as a leader, as a CEO. But um, I think there's also uh, this aspect of failure that leads us to I think over index on a few learnings and not to be cognizant of the fact that luck plays a big role and circumstance plays a big role in our successes and our failures. I, I think part of that is because in popular media and in, in our culture, there's this idea that like leaders are flawless and we, we make all the right decisions and when when that construct exists, we get this idea that we we are the masters of our fate, and that that's not always true. So part part of leadership, I think, when you fail, is forgiving yourself, recognizing that there are circumstances and things that you can't control, understanding what things you can control, and applying your learnings to those. Thank you, Rand. I I, I really think a lot of people will. Um, take to heart this idea of overburdened, feeling overburdened, shouldering um, that anxiety. Do you have any suggestions beyond like a life coach or therapist that people can do not to feel so overwhelmed and weighted down when they do fail and keep the big picture, the big picture is, do you have any yeah. specifics around that? Yeah, I think one of the, one of the great things that you can do is to watch your, um, consumption diet of, of what you read, what you consume, what you listen to, what you hear, uh, and make sure that there's some diverse sources on that. Diverse, but in this case, I specifically mean with diverse sources, uh, listen to 
podcasts where people talk about their failures, read blog posts where startup founders are talking about how their company went under, how they didn't make any money, how they didn't have the success that they wanted, how they didn't return money to their investors um, and failed their team or their employees or those kinds of things. Because I think when we only read the, it's sort of like the, uh, are you guys familiar with the Instagram phenomenon with teenagers? Right? Absolutely. They, yeah, yeah. Right. I, where they, I have a 15, a 17, and a 12-year-old. That's my world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? And they, you know, so you, you, know, you scroll through Instagram, you see your friends on these crazy vacations and these beautiful places with these perfect shots, and you think, oh, man, my life just isn't good enough. And you compare yourself to the things you consume, the things you see. Uh, and so I think it can be really healthy to recognize that statistically speaking, you know, it, for example, in my field, the tech startup world, failure rates, five-year survival rates are uh, below 30%. If you, if you start a tech startup, your chances of being alive, still having that company alive in five years are below 30%. And yet, what do we do, right? We all read about Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Larry and Sergey from Google and Richard Branson. And, you know, those, those are the people we listen to. And there's, there's things we can take away from those types of folks, right? Your, your Elon Musk's or whatever. But I think there's also a danger that you start to compare yourself exclusively to those people. And that is, that's not right. Right. I mean, that's statistically not right. And it's also very can be very unhealthy. So that's one suggestion. Another big one is um, I know it's, you know, it's just like all the other advice in your life. But sleep is huge for entrepreneurs and for people working in general. You know, getting more than eight hours of sleep is highly correlated with warding off depression, anxiety, mental and emotional problems, performing better, making better decisions. And what the heck is a CEO's job? It's to make decisions, right? We're, we're not supposed to like, you know, have our hands on doing all the work all the time. We're supposed to make good decisions about who to hire, who to let go, uh, what, what strategy to pursue, what not to pursue. You want your decision making to be sharp? You, you gotta get sleep, you gotta eat well, you gotta exercise, right? So that stuff is also big. That's fantastic. We appreciate that and we couldn't agree more. And especially with, elements like sleep. I mean, there used to be this mindset around just keep driving, keep driving, keep pushing. Um, and we're just hearing so much, even about just the power of 30 minute naps. You have yeah. to get that rest in to be sharp. So thank you very much for that. Um, let's segue, Rand, to our five uh, one thing series. And, and the first one, these are our leadership uh, questions around our five uh, one things. You had mentioned this and touched on this, so it's a perfect uh, segue to our first question. Who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration, and where can we find them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I actually follow a very limited set of folks. So if you were to go, for example, to my Twitter account and look at the list of people that I follow, uh, it's pretty short, I think, compared to most Twitter accounts. But there's, you know, there's a few people who... I, I would say I've always over-indexed on their advice and, and thought them to be just, um, you know, fantastically talented people who make great decisions. Uh, one of those is Dharmesh Shah, who, um, with whom I co-founded Inbound.org. Uh, and I think Dharmesh is a, you know, a brilliant 
software engineer and a brilliant entrepreneur um, and a really thoughtful guy around all sorts of topics. So I like what he has to say a lot. Um, for those who, uh, who don't follow him, I'm, I'm also a big fan of uh, David um, Heinemeyer Hansen. He's at DHH on Twitter. Um, and he's, he's a really thoughtful guy around sort of revolutionizing how we think about entrepreneurship. Um, one of the, you know, one of the creators, uh, founders of Basecamp um, and the CTO there. Um, so I, I like his stuff a lot. Uh, Cortland Allen. So he, he founded Indie Hackers, um, and, uh, which was acquired by Stripe and has built an amazing community there. Um, those are all great folks to follow. That's fantastic. And we'll be uh, sure to link back to those folks in our show notes so people can follow them on Twitter and get information from them. Can you give us an example of something profound that one of them might have said recently that makes you think that they're a great um, source for information or inspiration? Just a nugget of something that, that our listeners might find if they follow them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was... Uh, let's see, this is from, from, uh, David, the, the co-founder of, um, Basecamp. And, uh, I thought, you know, he, he says a bunch of, uh, a bunch of awesome things, but I think, I think one of them that he's talked about a lot recently is, um, the idea of the idea in the, in the startup world in particular of, uh, entrepreneurs, sort of working their, working many of their best life years um, and losing out on the rest of the things that life has to offer in service of sort of purely growth and financial goals and, and having so little statistically um, speaking opportunities for that, right? That, that just, you know, 95% of startups don't return uh, aren't successful. They don't return money to their investors uh, in the quantity that's needed. And, um, and this idea that maybe we need to change the paradigm of what it means to build a company and who a company should be built for and how it can be successful, right? That, um, that making entrepreneurship uh, exclusively focused on this one model is not a great idea and that we need to expand that. So that's, that's something that really resonated with me. Obviously, I, you know, for folks who don't know, I just raised a, an investment round with SparkToro that's very unusual in its structure and for, with who it's raised from. And it allows us to be a lot of, of different things, not just you know, chasing an exit. Um, so obviously, this is something that's close to my heart. Well, that's great. And I mean, I think the gist of that is just thinking differently and not following the status quo and the current models that seem to be successful. And I'm following a theme with some of your answers there. So thank you for that. Our second question is, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life from your opinion? Yeah, um, I, I have found, I found it to be really uh, rewarding personally and absolutely professionally uh, to spend some time on self-awareness every day. So meaning, you know, there's a sort of a meta process whereby you say, why, um, why did I have an experience that I had? Why, why do I feel the way that I feel about it, positively or negatively? 
Um, what's, what's underlying that? What's driving that? Um, and uh, am, I, am I happy in the things that I'm doing? Am I glad that I'm pursuing what I need to do? Did I do work today that, you know, maybe I hated the work, but I love where it's taking us? Um, or did I do work today that I feel like was um, productive, but in service of something that I actually don't want us to be or don't care about? Um, and I say us, meaning your company, your organization, you know, you and your you know, partner or family. Uh, and I think, I think that when you reflect on those questions on a regular basis and you set your true north to, um, am I doing the right things for me and my you know, fill in the blank organization, family, partner, self, um, and whether those things are bringing you happiness and, and why, uh, that, that's really powerful. That sort of change, it can change you from getting lost in a quagmire, which many entrepreneurs do, right? We sort of go through the motions because we think we're supposed to, because that's how we've seen behavior modeled by our superiors or by people we admire or by culture. Um, I think that having that, reflecting on that regularly, having that self-awareness, trying to build that muscle of self-awareness uh, is huge. Thank you, Rand. We couldn't agree more. Out of curiosity, that reflection, are you actively journaling? Do you journal those thoughts and um, write them down? Uh, in a way, I do. So uh, many of my public blog posts and most of the book, Lost and Founder, is exactly that. Um, and so for a long time, you know, a lot of my uh, reflections were in that in service of those things. Now I do a little bit of it uh, more personally and privately. Thank you. Yeah, we asked that. We've, we've just heard from so many over the course of the last couple of years, the power of journaling really to get what you just described, this yeah. level of self-awareness and to pick up patterns of behavior in oneself and then to act on those patterns. That's what we find is the next step. If you do find yourself not enjoying the work and you see that rhythm throughout your day and you're not true north, what then are you going to do about it? And we yeah. find that self-awareness helps people then have the courage to make that big decision if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be, you know, I also want to be sort of empathetic to people who, because there are so many people you know, um, especially in the United States, but, but all over, who don't have a choice, right? They don't, they don't get to choose what they need to do. Like, hey, you're a, you know, you're a gardener, you have to make a certain amount of income. Yeah, you're technically an entrepreneur, but you don't have a lot of choice. You've got to take the gigs that come your way. You know, you need to be paid that money. You have kids who are going through school or medical bills for family or rent to cover or whatever. Um, and so that, that choice may not always exist, but I think it can still be helpful to sort of go through this process of saying, I'm doing this because I need to do it for my family. I need to do it for these reasons. And, um, and, then, and then part of that work becomes less a, gosh, I'm doing this thing that I hate and gosh, I'm enabling this thing that I love. I'm enabling these people that I love to be able to have a lot, you know, the life that they need. Um, that can be, that can be powerful too. Absolutely. Yeah, it truly brings meaning to people's life. So let's move on to question three. What is one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't do already? One thing that I wish I could do that I don't do already. Uh, you know, there's, um, 
I have long wished that I had more, more bandwidth to do more uh, philanthropic and social sort of, you know, give back to the world types of um, investments. That's, that's true both financially and personally with my time. Um, and I do a little bit of that, but not nearly as much as, as I want. And I think part of that is um, because I keep hoping that I can build up a, you know, a business and a um, sort of a career that will enable me to do that much more. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's probably also part of me that, um, that should be making those investments regardless of when it is in my life and where I am in my financial situation. So I think that's, a, that's an aspirational goal for me. Well, we certainly appreciate your candor and your vulnerability in sharing that with us. I mean, that's something that we both think about as well and just the investment that we have in the people and giving back and finding time to do that when we're doing so many other things to build the business and do our daily diligence. So it's important um, and we'll all work towards that one. So go ahead. Oh, I was just saying for sure, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So our fourth question is, what's one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? Yeah, uh, I think one of the biggest things for me has absolutely been surrounding myself with um, people that I can learn from. And that, I mean that not just in a professional sense, but also in a personal sense, right? So building friendships with people of uh, diverse and different backgrounds, right? People so people who aren't from this country, people who didn't grow up, you know, in the financial circumstances that I did, um, people who aren't from the same, you know, sort of ethnic or religious background that I am, um, people who don't have my same job or aren't, aren't in my same industry, um, you know, who have different financial means than I do. All that kind of stuff has been, has been huge because I, I think that, as an entrepreneur, one of the ways that you have the most success is by having empathy for your, your audience, right? Your, your customers and your potential customers and being able to see things through different people's eyes is immensely powerful. Uh, and the more that you can train that as a skill, right? It's like a muscle. You, you know, you go to the gym, you work out that, you know, whatever your bicep or your quads or what, what have you. In this case, you're spending time with other people who have very different experiences than you and different outlooks, and you are learning the skill of empathy, and you are growing through that. And then you can apply that when you do things like come up with a market strategy or come up with a product uh, idea or come up with a, you know, feedback on a user interface design or uh, come up with a way that you're going to reach people through your, you know, your next marketing launch. Um, all that stuff has been big for me. And that's how, to be honest, that's how I got into a lot of social media stuff because I was not excited about that. But the, you know, people I was spending time with were, and I started to see how influential it could be. And, um, and then, yeah, chose to sort of build my own presence there. Yeah, that resonates deeply with us as educators. One, especially like the social media and technology, how just in the classroom and in schools, Originally, so many people were just afraid 
to have that a part of the system because of the potential dangers like Facebook, like Instagram, um, but the potential and the power and the connectedness that that brings uh, with teachers and students is huge. And then on another level through the Schoolhouse 302, it's one main reason we love reaching out to to individuals like you, Rand, to give us just a vastly different perspective on how you see things um, that we normally don't, just because our education and training is in a totally different realm, yet our our whole purpose is to bring students through a system that they can lead a full life. And we found getting vantage points and perspectives from people outside education is one of the best ways to do that. Totally, totally agree. No, I love that. I think that, you know, I think that you, you learn more when you are uncomfortable than when you're comfortable and, you know, intentionally putting yourself in uncomfortable settings and situations where you're unfamiliar with what's going on and you're not an expert and you haven't hung out with people like this before, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of courage. It also provides a huge amount of growth. Absolutely. Renette leads us to our, our fifth and uh, final question. What's the one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? Oh man. I mean, when I started, when I started my career, I thought that the only way to be, you know, a serious entrepreneur, a, a successful, you know, serious entrepreneur is that you have to try and go out and build, you know, a huge company that employs hundreds of people um, that's backed by, you know, investors, hopefully a venture capital firm with, you know, in tech world, at least a venture capital firm with, um, you know, a prestigious name and a history of funding companies that have had, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars or billion dollar exits and, and IPOs and all that kind of stuff, right? I, I totally fell into mythology. Uh, what was the Facebook movie, The Social Network, right, where um, Sean Parker, the you know, the character Sean Parker is talking to Mark Zuckerberg and he's like, a million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bought into that BS, lock, stock, and barrel. Like mm -hmm. 20-something Rand, even early 30s Rand, I was on that train. I did, not, I did not think that I could be sort of a success as an entrepreneur or someone who's perceived as, as successful unless I followed that path. And it took me, you know, it sort of took me going down that road, right? I think I'm really glad that I raised venture capital and that I tried to build, you know, Moz as this venture-backed startup and, and get to these huge numbers. Uh, because I think if I hadn't tried that, I would have always doubted myself. I would have always thought I wasn't good enough. But after having gone through it, I see now that that is not, that's not the only path. It's not only not the only path, it's not the best path. It's not the path that excites me. I'm not super interested in returning, you know, five to 10X my investors' capital in a short period of time to, frankly, a bunch of people who already have a ton of money. That doesn't really <laughs> excite me. Um, and so I think that the, going through that has really changed me as a person, as an entrepreneur, absolutely, um, and made me sort of question a lot of the things of, wait, why do I think that's the good and right thing to do? And is there another way? So yeah, big, big shift for me. 
That was fantastic. That, that final answer really hit home in terms of vision and purpose and goals and the things that you said about self-reflection. Um, lots of nuggets here for anyone listening. Um, and that's the key that we give some, our leaders some takeaways. We always say that leadership might be complex, but it certainly doesn't have to be complicated. Rand, is there anything else that you would like to share today for our listeners as a final thought? Yeah, there was, you know, there was a powerful lesson that stuck with me recently, and that is um, it's really tough to, I think, be a successful leader um, and a happy, fulfilled person without self-forgiveness. So you who, folks who are listening, I am sure you have made mistakes. Maybe some of them are terrible. Maybe some of them are ones that keep you up at night, and you should forgive yourself. You should find a way, do, do what you need to do, right? Make the amends that you need to make, the apologies that you need to make, you know, work to, to fix things or make things better. Um, but then forgive yourself and, and let yourself off the hook for those things. You will be a better person for it. Thank you so much for that. That was a phenomenal finale there. There you have it, Rand Fishkin, an awesome interview on our podcast one thing series don't forget to follow our blog the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts podcasts and video blogs always on the topic of leadership and we hope you enjoyed our one thing series on how leaders learn to lead better succeed amid, amid failure and become exceptional thank you ram for being with us today thanks for having me guys take care 